0: You're listening to the Lifetree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. Um, okay, guys, we're going we're gonna to carry on. Like I said last week, we're spending time this summer looking at Jesus' encounters with outsiders. And uh, and we we talked last week about how at times maybe there's this bit of dissonance between Jesus and the gospel and what people experience through his church, and we did this wonderfully horrible illustration of me singing in front of all of you. Uh, I won't I won't bother doing it again. <laughs> I won't subject you. Uh, but, you know, we just we just looked at this idea that an original song is going to sound a lot better than me singing it was the basic point. Uh, and, and Jesus being very much like that, that we are, as his church, seeking to emulate him, but the, the real beauty is in him. And so the reason why we're looking at how he related to outsiders is because I think that... Um, At times, this is one of the ways that we actually miss it as the church. And yet, Jesus' relationship to outsiders was one of the hallmarks of his life and his ministry. You know, like the way he connected to those who were not Jews or not not insiders in the in-club, all this sort of stuff was a hallmark of his ministry. So to come to the church of Jesus Christ and not experience that welcome and hospitality is major dissonance between Jesus and the church. It's like going to McDonald's and they don't have Big Macs or something like that, you know? It's just like it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. That's not what you'd expect. And when you come to Jesus, you're supposed to be able to expect welcome, okay? And this, this, this word, actually, of stranger, of outsider that's in Scripture, it's this Greek word, xenos, which we get the, the term xenophobia, which really means it's racism. It's fear of those who are other and different from you. And the kingdom of God is supposed to be exact opposite. That we actually, we're not just afraid of those who are different, but we have this, this profound welcome to those who are different. Be you with me? And so Jesus, you know, he often taught on this topic. If you look at his teachings about his kingdom, there was this principle that we'd see again and again that oftentimes the presumed insiders were going to find themselves out. And the presumed outsiders would find themselves in the kingdom. He tells story after story that point to this. And so here we are, we're spending the summer, and what we want to do is over the summer, just look at these stories of Jesus because we believe that we become like him simply by beholding him. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that as we gaze upon his glory, we're actually transformed into reflecting that same glory. And so we want to see the the beauty of Jesus. We want to learn from him. We want to learn to follow him, Okay. And so, what we're going to do today is we're going to look at a story from Mark five, well-known story. But if I can, I would love somebody to volunteer to read it. Uh, so, if we can, if we can muster a volunteer, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a moment for that opportunity. Is there anybody who would like to read it to us? I've got it printed. Tim, come on up. Awesome. Yeah, give a round of applause for Tim. I got it right here, Tim, printed for you. So you got big print, you know exactly where to read from. Mark five,
1: verse twenty-one to forty-three. Thank you. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders, named Jairus, came. And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so so that she can be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all that she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around to the crowds and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who'd done it. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this, and told them to give her something to eat. Thanks, Tim.
0: You can give them a round of applause again. That's okay. <laughs> he curves up. Uh, I just love Jesus. Like, wherever Jesus goes, things get better. I just can't help but think about that as as Tim was reading to us. Um, I want to just say something that is a little tangent before we dive into the text, and that is this. Um, What we're doing this summer as we look at these stories is something that you can do on your own when you read Scripture. And what we're doing, you could call it contemplative Bible study. And it involves simply slowing down. When you read the text, when you slow down in the text, my encouragement to you is try to get into it. Try to see it. Try to hear it. Try to feel it. Try to, try to sense what's going on. Notice what stands out to you. Put yourself in the shoes of different characters and think about how you might respond. And that's what we're doing this morning. That's what we're going to do in weeks ahead. And I really want you guys to catch that, that you can do that. Like, we can read through a story like that and just kind of get the facts and, and miss some of the details. So my hope this morning is that we would actually be able to catch some of those details together. And, and I'll say this on the tangent note of slowing down, that I believe to actually listen to and follow Jesus is going to require slowing down for a lot of us. We're going to maybe see a bit of that in the story. But so here's some observations I want us to to look at and to catch this morning. First, I want us to just contrast the key characters in the story. You have this man Jairus, who's the leader of a synagogue, and you got this unnamed woman who's got this, this issue of constant bleeding for 12 years, right? Who's the insider? Who's the insider? Jairus, the synagogue leader. He's like he's like a pastor. He'd be like he'd be like a well-known member of the community who leads in the synagogue and he's notable and he he's he's worthy of some respect, right? And then you've got this woman who's got this this constant flow of blood. And she's unnamed, and you realize, like, I want us to catch this. Just like the leper that we looked at last week, she would have been deemed, according to the standards of the community, unclean. Which meant that over this 12-year period of this constant bleeding, she was rejected, ostracized, and pushed outside the community. I don't know how many watched The Chosen, but they did a great episode on this story. Uh, which really which really pulls you into the experience of this woman. And if you haven't watched it, all I can say is you should watch it. But, um, but you know, so here we have these characters. And, and also notable and worth noticing, which maybe in the 21st century we don't notice, but another key difference between them is Jairus is a man and she's a woman. Right? So the, the other thing you could notice, too, is Jairus, in his notable position, probably has some money. I think that's a decent assumption to make. She, we're told in the text, has spent everything that she has and could on trying to get better with doctors. And so you have this also economic difference between them. In all these ways, when you compare them, there's massive difference, making him an insider, her an outsider. Okay, you with me? And what I want us to notice is Jesus responds to faith, not social status. Jesus is interested in their faith. So he he doesn't, doesn't, you know, turn away Jairus. He doesn't turn away the woman. He responds to their faith. And I want us to also catch this, the urgency and the high demand of the moment. Like when you actually, you know, try to get into the story, it tells us right at the beginning that when Jairus comes to Jesus, what does it say he did? He falls to his knees, and it says he pleaded earnestly with Jesus. Come, my daughter's dying. Come, lay your hands on her so that she'll be healed. Right There's, there's this urgency that you can feel in Jairus as he pleads with Jesus to come to his house. And then to, to increase the, uh, the high demand, the urgency of the moment, as they go on their way to the house, what happens? A crowd follows. You remember last week Jesus told the leper like, hey, don't tell anybody about this, and it says, but instead the leper went out and and spread the news and told everybody. Well, what we're seeing here in this story is the effect of that leper's disobedience. There's all these people who are pressing to Jesus, and it says they're pressing to touch him. Picture with me like celebrity status scene. Think the Beatles or Justin Bieber or something like that walking through the street, and mobs of people crowding around. That's the picture with Jesus. Now, why they're all trying to touch him it, you know, we don't know. Maybe for some, it was just the novel novelty of getting close to this well-known guy. But clearly we see in the story of the woman, there was more than novelty going on. There's this faith that she's reaching out to him, right? But despite the urgent need of this notable leader in the community, despite the pressing crowd, Jesus was available. This is really the, the center of what I'm hoping we catch this morning as we think about how we relate to those who are outside, those who are unclean. Are we available? Are we available? See, what I see when I look at Jesus is that he held space in his heart and in his schedule for this woman, for this outsider. And this is speculation for sure, okay? but I'm going I'm to share my speculation with you. The, the fact that this woman in faith could say, hey, I'm just going to touch the hem of his garment and I'll be healed, I think points, and she did, she gets healed, it points to this reality that Jesus' heart was open. Jesus had a disposition of openness to the needs of the people around him, that she could just touch the hem of his garment and make a demand on the power and the anointing that was on his life and be healed. He held space in his heart and in his schedule. And I'd say the application is this, that oftentimes... Would you agree we're too busy? Would you be able to acknowledge that at times you're just too busy? And we sometimes wear busyness like a badge of honor in our culture, right? And yet Jesus calls us to a different way, right? And sometimes our busyness is in our schedule, is like actually consumed. Other times, guys, I think our busyness is that our minds are saturated these, you know, like, I know I harp on these a lot. My kids would go, yeah, you sure do. But the, uh, but you know, the, the it's just this reality that I think that we get so consumed and we need to not be so saturated in our hearts and in our minds. We need space to actually hear from the spirit. To actually be open to that outsider who reaches out to make contact to that unexpected, to that leading of the spirit, right? And so here's the thing, is that in the midst of this story, Jesus takes time. He takes time and he gives attention to her. It tells us that she was already healed. It tells us in the story that when she touched his garment, she could feel in her body that she was healed. So Jesus could have just kept walking. Maybe he knows it's done, whatever. But instead, he stops and he says, who touched me? Actually, he specifically says, who touched my clothes? And his disciples are like, bro, what are you talking about? (laughs) Like, who didn't touch your clothes? Right? And he's like, no, I, I felt power go out from me. And what I want us to notice is that although she was already healed, Jesus stopped to connect with her. He stopped to publicly... Uh, confirm her healing, which in doing so was actually restoring her to the community. Because if she just went about, like, as this person saying, hey, I'm healed, I'm better, you know, of this condition, nobody could actually really see, they'd, they'd be skeptical, so in Jesus actually stopping and making that space for her, he wasn't just connecting to her. He's publicly acknowledging she's healed and she's back in. You don't have to be afraid of her anymore. You don't have to keep your distance. She gets to come back in. He makes space for her. And he also stops to affirm her faith. He doesn't condemn her. Because the reality is, is she was breaking the law, the religious law, the ceremonial law, by being in that crowd with this flow of blood. And Jesus, well, in the story, it tells us this. When finally she decides, okay, it's me, I'm going to come clean, it says this. The woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. Why is she trembling with fear? She's afraid of potentially being condemned for being out in public, for being among a crowd with this impurity, this flow of blood. And Jesus, instead of condemning her, he affirms her. He affirms her faith publicly. And the phrase that jumped out at me was, was He told her the whole truth. I don't know what that means. Maybe she started from 12 years ago when this, when this thing started happening and all the doctors she had seen all the things. But the, the, the thing I'm seeing when it says told, she told him the whole truth was, again, Jesus took the time. I can imagine Jairus standing there like looking at his watch being like, hey, you know, remember me? You know, weren't we, we going to go over here and heal my daughter? And, and, and there's this, this posture that Jesus has where he's just not worried, He knows that the Father's got it covered. He knows what what the power of God is capable of in and through him. And he didn't let the demands of the moment dictate to him what he was going to do. He didn't let the demands of the crowd or the demands of this notable individual dictate to him what he was going to do. He let the Holy Spirit's leading determine how he would respond in the moment. And it reminded me, as I was thinking about this, this story I heard my dad tell, and if you've been around Lifetree for some years, you've probably heard him share at times, but I'll, I'll keep it short. But it was a story where he had been asking God to speak to him and lead him to people, and he saw this woman hitchhiking, and he was on his way home to... We, we were a one-vehicle family at this time, and my mom had an appointment that she had to be at, and he knew time was tight, but, but he saw this hitchhiker, and he couldn't help but feel God pulling him to give her a ride. And so he said, okay, I'm going to loop the block, and if she's still there, I'll give her a ride. He comes around, she's still there. story is, like, God actually gives him a word of knowledge about this woman's name. He's able to, to, to speak into her life, has this whole moment. He gets home, he, he drops her off, and then he gets home, Totally late, only to hear my mom say, "Yeah, the, I believe it was a doctor's appointment." The doctors phoned and actually had to postpone my appointment. God, the point is, God worked out the details. You know, uh, This is not application of that, men, is not like disregard your wife's schedules. OK, Just words the wise. But that was, that was what happened. And again, it's the question of, of what's going to dictate to us? response in the moment the demands of our schedule the demands of others or the voice of the Lord. So what I want us to do same as same as last week I want us to actually take a minute and we're gonna we're gonna get into groups here okay we're gonna get a groups of like four no more than six people I'm gonna ask so that everybody can actually engage and I want us to just engage with a few questions and then we're going to bring it back together here and we're going to we're going to receive communion to close out the service today but here are the questions okay that i want us to consider what might be saturating your heart and or schedule that diminishes your availability how might you hold more space in your heart and schedule for outsiders the unexpected and holy spirit leading and we should get those up there i believe they should be in there um and I know some of you are like, really? I've talked to people? You don't have to. You can sit there in silence. Nobody's going to force you to talk. But, uh, but we're going to do that, okay? So you can rearrange the chairs. You can mess that up. That's okay here. And we're just going to take like five minutes, okay? Five minutes to engage with these questions. Okay, as we, as we wrap this up, I am going to ask, is there... One or two representatives from groups who would would have a little like specifically on the how to part. How might you hold more space in your heart, right? Uh, and schedule. I just want to hear. Is there anybody? You got like sixty seconds or less? You could say, "Hey, this is what came out in our group." Anybody? Anybody? People. People. Same in our group. Some people are saying we didn't even get to that second question. Okay, come on, you guys—the youth again, week two. Youth leading the way in response. (laughs) Chat.
2: Okay, I was kind of like talking about like how you actually have to like go out of your comfort zone and make an effort because I know that I don't like doing things like on my own or trying new things. So I'll actually have to go out into the world a little bit more.
0: That's good, that's good. Some intentionality in that. And um, anybody else itching to come up, like running to the stage like Joanna or no? Okay. Okay, Carolyn, okay.
2: So Gary was saying the Lord challenged him 20 years ago. He heard the whisper, be bold, as he woke up in the morning. And for him, that's just saying good morning to someone walking by when he normally wouldn't want to. And for me, I think... I need to just put margin in my outings. I'm, like, always on a mission. I'm, like, going to the shops, doing whatever. I I leave at the very last minute for my appointments. Like, that's how I am. And it's, like, I need some room to stop for the one. And to be, as you were saying, Jesus had that I'm open and I'm available kind of vibe. And if I'm on mission, I'm not giving that open, available vibe. So I think I need to be a little... Mindful as I go into public places and be, Holy Spirit, is there anyone you want me to speak to? Is there anyone you want me to pray for? Like just being open to the whisper rather than being on mission, which is my default. Yeah.
0: It's good. And I, I just say, I'm going to share it, share it in our group. But um, for me lately, it's been things like Carolyn just alluded to it uh, adding 15 minutes into my schedule between appointments rather than back to back huge help. The other is like when I'm driving, I've had times lately where it's just like, no, I'm not going to put that music on. No, I'm not going to put that podcast on. And maybe it's only gives me a five minute window of that like silence, but but huge. Um, I'm sure there's more. I'm sure you guys could keep chatting on it and you're free to as the service closes, but we do want to come to the table this morning and receive communion. And um, as we do I wanted to just highlight one other piece from the story. And that is that um, what you can see in the story is these different degrees of faith. Right? Jairus says, hey, if you will come and you will lay hands on my daughter, she'll be healed. And we know from another story that we're not looking at today, but of the centurion. The centurion understood, no, you just need to speak a word and and my servant will be healed, right? Jairus had this faith that said, if I can just get you to my house and you lay your hands on my daughter, she'll be healed. Whereas the lady in the story, she knew "If if I can just touch his garment, I'll be healed. And, and what matters was not the strength of their faith, but the object of their faith. In other words, their faith is, your, our faith is not to be in the strength of our faith. Our faith is in Jesus. And the thing that made the difference was not the strength of their faith, but contact with Jesus. And when we come to the table, there is a very real sense in which we are making contact with Jesus. And I feel like just as I engaged briefly in the conversation I was a part of, I know when we look at a message like this today and and catch this thing, how do I hold more space? Am I too busy? All this stuff. It's really easy to just be like condemned and be like, oh my gosh, I'm a horrible follower of Jesus, and and you get all this like you know condemnation on you. And what I want us to continue to catch as a community is that we don't get changed by beating ourselves up. We get changed by seeing Jesus. We get changed by making contact with Jesus. And so when we come to the table this morning, I want to encourage you to just have your heart open to however he wants to meet with you, however he's going to make contact with you, whatever he wants to change in your life. Maybe he is going to shift something in you where there's just a greater openness in your heart. Or maybe you're coming to the table this morning and you need healing in your body. Maybe you're coming to the table this morning and you know you need forgiveness. But whatever the need is, when you make contact with Jesus, he can meet that need. Whatever level of faith you're at as you approach Jesus, it's contact with Jesus that changes you. And so with that, I want to invite... There's. A few couples who are going to help serve communion. And what we like to do here at Life Tree, if this is your first time here, is we just ask you to stand up from your seat, come forward, and receive the bread and the juice, the body and the blood of Jesus given for you. And then we're going to ask you to go go back to your seat, and we're going to just have this moment here together. So you can you can stand up and come forward and get those elements. So just as I said at the beginning of our time, you know, this, this contemplative approach to Scripture, I want to encourage us just into that posture as we receive communion. That we actually just pause in our heart and in our mind and in our spirit. We don't just go through the motions right now. But we actually really, you know, catch what it is that you hold in your hand, what it represents, what Jesus had to say about it. And I also remember right as we opened up this morning, Stacy said something to the effect of hopefully you leave today closer to Jesus than when you came. And, and just like I said before, it's like may we make contact with Jesus and his spirit in this moment. So I want to just take a moment, consider what it is you hold in your hand and what it represents And, Lord, we thank you for your body that was given for us. We thank you that you came and you lived among us. You showed us what the Father is like. You gave yourself fully for us. We receive you. We receive you gladly. We receive you gratefully this morning. Jesus' body given for you, take and eat. And Jesus said of this, he said, this is my blood shed for you, shed for a new covenant, shed for the remission of sins. And when he poured out his blood, he was making a covenant to say, I will always be open to you. I will always forgive you. I will heal. I will receive you. Covenanting to always love you and to forgive you when you come to him and ask forgiveness of sin. So we say, Jesus' blood shed for you, take and drink. Lord, we thank you for all the ways that we are seeing how these people's lives were changed through encounters with you. We ask today that we would be changed To look even more like you. God, as we go out from here today, that we would go out into the city of Victoria in our day in this week. Or maybe wherever we're camping or whatever we're up to. But we go out looking more like you. We love who you are. We love what you're like. And we just say, we want to be more like you, Jesus. Jesus. Can we stand as we close and just sing that chorus we closed our worship time with before? Sing it one more time, and then I'll let you guys go. Your name
1: is like honey on my lips. Your spirit like water to my soul. Your word is a lamp
0: unto Jesus, I love you. I love you. Jesus, I love you. I love you. Amen. You guys have an awesome day. I hope you made contact with Jesus this morning. Thank you for listening to the Lifetree Church Sermon of the Week. At Lifetree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Lifetree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.